The Truth News Network. And the truth shall set you free. Tell that to anyone on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But you know that the truth will ultimately dominate. No amount of suppression seems to work to change that. So take heart and keep it here. We're TNN. The Truth News Network. And your guide through the minefield is Dan Newman. How salient was that introduction talking about the truth? The truth shall set us free. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of TNN Live. I'm Dan Newman. I want to thank you especially for being with us today. We have a very special show for you, and I mean very special. A guest coming on our second hour, top of the second hour, Steve Smotherman. Now, you may have heard the name. Steve Smotherman pastors, if not the largest, one of the largest churches in the state of New Mexico. 20,000 are in that church every Sunday. Steve Smotherman is their senior pastor, and he is one of the most active in every part of the lives of his people, his congregation members, and people outside their church that are just citizens of the state of New Mexico. Very controversial at times. I've actually heard him get into a verbal battle on a morning show with the morning team in Albuquerque which is where his church is. He's politically active. We don't see that very often from pastors of churches. And I guess it's that age-old thing of separation of church and state, which has been grossly misrepresented and mischaracterized since the Constitution was put together. And people who don't want church or Christianity to be mingled with government, they got the interpretation of what that is all about from the Supreme Court, and they twisted it. It has nothing to do with a separation of church and state. Now, that's just one thing Steve Smotherman is going to talk to me about. He's a good friend of mine. I I must be honest with you. He doesn't know that I'm going to throw that in there in this conversation if he has enough time. What we're What we were going to concentrate on is the gun grab that happened last week by his governor, Luan Grisham, that declared a medical emergency for the state. And for that, her edict was nobody could carry guns. Direct violation of the Second Amendment. But not just that, there are laws in New Mexico that allow people to carry guns legally. So, it is going to be a very controversial day, but a good day. We have much to talk about, and we're going to start the show today with something you probably are going to be shocked I'm going to start it with. It's not going to be about the fact that the president's son, Hunter Biden, has been charged with three federal charges that could end him in prison for 25 years. I don't think it'll ever happen. That won't anyway. We'll get into that, but we're not going to start with that. We're going to start with something that, in the long run, probably is more important than Hunter Biden. That would be your wallets and what's in it, and my wallet and what's not in it. Hmm. That and more coming up. They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie with a pink. 
when the naturalists in the world were fighting cutting down trees. We were destroying too many forests. And so they got active stopping the tree cutting. And that song is about what used to be a natural forest that was cut down. They cut the trees down. Obviously, they needed to put something in their place. What was it? Well, they paved a parking lot, turned it into an apartment complex. 
But that's a cool song. I know my buddy James Posey listens in every morning, and he's a drummer. I'm sure he was tapping his foot during that song. Good morning again. If you missed the very top of the show, Steve Smotherman. He is going to be in the history of this show going forward a very important character because we're going to go to him as much as he will let us go to him. He is a pastor of the biggest church in New Mexico, Legacy Church in Albuquerque. And they have satellite church locations around that part of the country, as a matter of fact, for Legacy Church. But he's a guy, he stands first for Christianity, for Christ, and for righteousness and doing the right things, all of those first. But he does not shy away from members of the Christian religion. I'm not talking about brick and mortar, a congregation, a denomination. I'm talking about just the group of Christians called the church. He thinks we all should get involved in our government, in our lives, because this is still supposed to be the United States of America, government of, government by, and government for the people. How can the people guarantee that unless the people get involved? And he has been caught from time to time going nose to nose with this governor of New Mexico and the previous one. He'll tell you more about that. He's going to be with us live at the top of hour number two. But until we get there, I told you we were going to start with something a little unexpected. Bidenflation. Oh, my gosh. It's already worn us all out. We've got 12, 13 months to deal with Joe Biden talking about Bidenflation. What it really stands for. I'm going to give you some numbers I bet you won't believe. You know where it is right now? Bidenflation, it stands at 16.7%. 16.7, I didn't get that wrong. That's a number from Joe Biden's White House. Of course, they put it in little numbers at the bottom of a a press release or something like that. They're certainly not going to tout that out on the campaign trail. 16.7%. That exposes, and I probably don't need to say this, a significant increase in prices since Biden took office. Real wages have declined under Biden's watch, forcing people, all of us, to cut back on various expenditures. Our economy is likely to experience a protracted period of stagflation, Stagflation is characterized by economic stagnation accompanied by high inflation. Those two together often become the kiss of economic death. We hope we can get this thing turned around before that happens. I don't think this president is going to turn it around or even try to. He likes it for some reason. Binomics, I'll go on record, is an abysmal failure. And Joe Biden's misdirected energy policy is the root cause of these issues. Wow. So what can we do with this whole mess? How can we turn it around? Well, we can take on two jobs. We can reduce our expenses. We can skip meals. We can use credit cards. And we all know what that ends up happening at the end of the day. We owe two, three times more than 
we used on the credit card initially because of interest, high interest rates, some cases 24, 25% now. And of course, we can dip into our retirement savings if we haven't already. There's evidence that all of these strategies are being employed today in Biden's America. His dark shadow of Bidenomics is 16.7% inflation under Biden. His policies are a complete and utter failure that has led to stagflation in the United States. No amount of sugarcoating can hide the facts. It is what it is. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, released by the government on Wednesday, showed a 3.7% year-over-year increase in prices. That's from August 2022 to August of this year. The CPI rated declined steadily from a 40-year high of 9.1% in June of 2022 to just 3% in June of 2023. That was 12 consecutive months. In July, it broke that run, increased to 3.2%, and further increased for the second month in August to 3.7%. Those are monthly increases. Add it all up. 16.7% inflation under Joe Biden. Wow. And those numbers I gave you, they're partially correct for three reasons. Hmm. Core inflation. You know what that is. That's the core of everything that they want to um, make it look like it's not bad. So what else is not in the core inflation numbers? Energy and food. They pull those out. Core inflation rate increased by 0.3% between July last year and August this year. That increase was bigger than the 0.2% between June and July this year. In other words, it's still going up. The August core increase of 0.3% is higher than the three-month average of 0.23%. Indicating again, Biden inflation is going up. Even though the year over year core dropped from 4.7% to 4.3%, it was because the base effect, as you can see on any chart, if you look at that, we'll post the whole thing, all the numbers and comparative dates to which they belong. Realistically, there is no significant change in conditions that this president or any president could take a victory lap over. Overall inflation has also fallen substantially over the last year. But I know last month's increase in gas prices put a strain on family budgets and gas prices are going up again, which means inflation is going to go even higher. President Biden's energy policies are inflicting great pain on all of us. He deliberately pursued policies pushing the U.S. from energy independence to dependence on people that he likes, you know, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Oh, and don't forget about Russia. We're buying oil from Russia. Did you know that? Our energy dependence enriches Russia's war chest. Meanwhile, we depleted our strategic petroleum reserves because Joe Biden was taking those 
millions of barrels out of the ground that belong to we the people? He didn't ask us. He didn't go to Congress and say, hey, is it okay with you guys if I do this? He made a presidential decision on his own, and he has almost depleted all of our strategic petroleum reserves, which are exactly what their title is, strategic petroleum reserves for us to use when we need because of disasters, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever. When our flow of gas and diesel at the pump is affected like that, we could always turn to our own reserves. You can't do that now. He, he did that to try to gain an advantage in the elections in 2020. And since then, he's made no attempt to replenish our strategic oil preserves. And oh, by the way, that's exactly the same thing that he and Barack Obama did when they were president and vice president. Gas prices for full serve and self-serve are displayed at a Union 76 gas station. It was up ahead of the Labor Day weekend in Beverly Hills. $7.54 a gallon. Now, that's Beverly Hills. I get it. But did you ever think anywhere in the United States you'd see a gallon of regular gasoline at $7.54 a gallon? Not in my USA. As we've talked about numerous times, President Biden's reckless spending has resulted in inflation levels never seen in the last 40 years. 40 years. The U.S. economy will experience an extended period of stagflation that will be characterized by stagnation accompanied by inflation. You need to learn those three words. Stagflation, stagnation, and inflation. Write those down and look them up. Why am I telling you to do that? You're going to have to give people that you love the reasoning for what's happening that's beyond your control. They won't understand it unless and until you can explain to them what's going on. Stagflation, stagnation, and inflation. So they came up with what's called the TIP, T-I-P-P-C-P-I. CPI obviously stands for Consumer Price Index, TIPP. That's a metric that uses February 2021, the month after Biden was inaugurated, as a starting point. All TIP CPI measures are anchored to the base month of February 2021, making it exclusive to the economy under Joe Biden's watch. Now, how do you think this is going? <laughs> Well, we use the relevant data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics to come up with the TIP CPI. But we adjust the period to Biden's tenure. That would be February of 2021, which would be a month after he was inaugurated, through this year. CPIs are like index numbers that show how prices affect people's lives. Same way the Dow Jones Industrial Average reflects the stock market. So when talking about the TIP CPI and the BLS CPI, you can convert the numbers into percentage changes so that you and I can better understand and compare them. Bidenflation measured by the TIP 
CPI using the same data reached 16.7% last month. It was 16.2% in July, 16% in June, and 15.9% in May. So it's gone up May, June, July, and August. By the middle of 2022, significant inflation had taken hold of our nation. You experienced it. You heard the White House say otherwise, but you were paying more for everything that you were buying, every service you were paying for. And you were doing that not because the economy's good, because of Joe Biden's policies that have just crippled the nation in our energy sector. While the official BLS CPI year-over-year increases will compare prices to already inflated basis in the coming months, these statistics might mask the full impact. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to post a link to a story. I'll post it after the show is over on the front page of truthnewsnet.org. Truthnewsnet.org. And the title, it'll be in a story, and it'll just be these charts that I want you to see. It'll say the title will be Bidenomics, B-I-D-E-N-O-M-I-C-S. And these numbers will be right below it. You need to look at those. They're not hard to understand, but you need to get the synopsis of what it means for you and me and your kids, your spouse, your relatives, your employer, and everybody around you that ever spends a dime on just living, which means this is going to impact us all. So you're ready to buckle in? You ready to go? Well, where are we going, Dan? We're going to go down Hunter Biden Avenue. I will tell you going into this that we're about to talk to, I expected this to happen. I predicted it on air that it would happen. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. Hunter, if you didn't hear, has been indicted on three felony charges for lying about being on drugs when he bought a gun. That's not the only thing he lied about. Oh, my gosh. Three indicted, three indictments, felony charges, could send him to prison for 25 years, plus a paltry $700,000 fine. And, of course, $700,000 is no big deal. He makes that just by being... Hunter Biden. According to the indictment brought by special counsel David Weiss, Hunter lied about his drug use when he bought the gun in 2018. The indictment comes days after the Republican Party opened an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden for his alleged connections to Hunter's business dealings. Joe begged Hunter to get help in a voicemail on October 15th, back in 2018, days after his son allegedly lied on the gun application. In fact, if you remember, we covered it here. We played part of the soundbite. Hunter wrote a story, and he admitted that he could not go and had not gone 15 minutes without smoking crack in several years. He faces up to 25 years in prison. So in a, what they're calling, sensational development, the first son is going to have to go 
to court after a Delaware grand jury returned these three charges against him, including two counts of false statements on his gun application forms. One, of possessing a gun while he was addicted to illegal illicit drugs. Needless to say, it's a shattering blow for President Biden, who has stood by his son and is running for re-election in 2024. And I don't know which one of those two is more important than Joe. I would say, if it was in my family, it would be my son, Caleb, would be more important to me. But Joe, and this is where we go when I told you at the top of this, I predicted this was going to happen. Let me break it down for you. Many of you weren't here those particular days when I talked about this. First of all, Joe, he's been in the Democrat Party in government since 1972. Think about that, 1972. That's 51 years. 51 years. Do you think he's entrenched in the system? He knows the system, but what's more important for him, the system knows him. The system knows if there are any skeletons anywhere, the system knows where they are. Therefore, it's not just Joe Biden. If you're a long-term successful Democrat, the Democrat Party's leadership at least, they know everything you've ever done, especially if it's bad or even considered to be bad or maybe possibly bad, and they use it. So here's the scenario that I predicted would happen. This thing with Joe and this now an impeachment inquiry, as it all develops, the heat's going to be turned up on Joe. The Democrats in leadership are going to come sit down in the White House with their hats in hand and talk to Joe and question the president's uh, decision to try to repeat as president for four more years. They're going to try to talk him out of it. And somewhere in that conversation, if they haven't already had, they may have already had it. In fact, they probably did before Hunter agreed to, uh, or agreed to, uh, Hunter was indicted. You can bet that David Weiss, this special counsel that is supposed to be independent, we know he's from Delaware he was Bo Biden's, one of Bo Biden's best buddies when Bo Biden was the attorney general of Delaware. Bo is Joe Biden's eldest son. Several years ago, he died, sadly, of brain cancer. But Davis Weiss figures heavily into the Biden family syndicate, always has. He's the special counsel, which makes no sense to anybody. All that being said, you can book it. There have been lots of conversations about this stuff. The Democrat Party, they've got to get rid of the mess that is called Joe Biden. Now, does that mean they're going to throw him to the curb? No, they can't do that because you remember he's been in this thing since 72 with the Democrat Party. He knows where a lot of skeletons are buried. And he knows who a lot of those skeletons were buried by. So they've got to handle this with kid gloves. So there's all kinds of deals that have been proposed and being discussed going on. And one of them is this one that I told you several weeks ago was going to happen. Joe is at some point 
going to have to throw Hunter under the bus. And I use those exact words. You can go back and listen to previous stories. Go back. I, I don't have the exact show that we first talked about this, but it was a couple of weeks ago. Why would Joe need to cut Hunter loose? Somebody's got to take responsibility for all this stuff. And it could be for one of two reasons. Joe really is got his heart set to be president again. That's number one. Number two, Democrats don't care. They want to find a nice, peaceful way for Joe to ease out of the picture and get this Hunter Biden stuff behind him and behind the Democrats. They want to clear the air. They want to go into 2024 and have none of these loose ends. So the process would be very simple. Hunter's, he's charged three felony criminal charges. 25 years is what he's looking at. 25 years max, $700,000 fine. None of that. It, it's going to be, if he's if he pleads guilty or if he's tried and is found guilty, those numbers are going to go way, way down. My guess is tops four years. I don't know about the fine. But nevertheless, this all needs to happen before the 2024 election. Why? Even if Joe runs, he may not win. He's president right now. The deal with Hunter will be, Hunter, you plead guilty. You plead guilty, or you agree to go to trial knowing you're going to be convicted. So we can tell everybody in the nation, our party, and even the other side, the GOP, everybody there, look, this is quid pro quo, no more. We put our guy out there, and he is paying the price for what he did. See, he didn't get any special favors. He's paying the price for breaking the law. That's the party we are. That's number one. But the big thing that is not being discussed, Joe Biden can, and I promise you he will, give his son a full pardon for whatever he either pleads to or is found guilty of, and he can do that. I think we all have a good idea of how much Joe loves Hunter. I think Joe will do anything to get Hunter back in right standing before whatever happens to Joe Biden happens. That, I think, is a next step. I don't think there'll be a trial. I think there'll be a deal cut, and probably pretty soon. The sooner they can put this behind them, the better it's going to be for if Joe is going to run for the presidency or some other Democrat, they got to get the air cleared and get on down the road. It doesn't matter what happens on the other side. And that's a story for another day, <laughs> isn't it? Man, Americans like Donald Trump. Have you noticed that? Every time he's indicted, his his positives go up among the American people. I think for two reasons, and we've talked about this, and, and I, most of you feel the same way. Number one, he's being harassed like nobody else ever has and like nobody else is. And Joe Biden is guilty of doing the same stuff regarding the documents that Donald Trump did, but there's some very big differences. Joe Biden was never president. So he can't be held to the same standard that Donald Trump is for mishandling classified documents because a president sitting and 
out of office has the right to handle and keep certain classified documents. No vice president, no senator ever has had that. Joe violated the classified document laws both as a senator and as vice president under Barack Obama. Have you heard anything about how's that investigation going? There's a special counsel assigned by our Attorney General Merrick Garland to look into Joe Biden's classified document faux pas. Nothing happening there. (laughs) There are so many moving parts. But everybody in both parties, Republicans and Democrats, they want the air to get cleared. They want the air to get cleared. And of course, with that happening, the cries, oh, they're reaching epic proportion by those lapdogs on the left, mainstream media. They have come out in force and circle the wagons around not just Joe, not just Hunter, but the entire Biden clan. And believe me, in the next few days, there's going to be some more wrongdoing being turned up and exposed for other people in the Biden family syndicate. We've got some of these mainstream media defenses we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes. And then don't forget at the top of the next hour, Steve Smotherman will be joining us. Steve Smotherman from New Mexico, pastors the largest church in New Mexico, Legacy Church. And we're going to talk politics, he and I. You're going to enjoy this. Sit tight. It's a big Friday at TNN Live. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. It's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich, and you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion supply, limited time offer. Hey, Tom Bodette, Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. In a world of fake news, 
The truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. And the truth coming out, it's just spilling out all over the place, isn't it? A lot of people aren't liking it, but scripturally, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. At least you can be free from the guilt of hiding things that many people hide for years. As a matter of fact, some people, they tell lies, they do bad things, and nobody else ever finds out about them. Wow. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I've got forgiveness in my life. Not because I deserve it, but just because of my relationship with God. I like that concept. I really do. So let's talk about the left, the lapdog media dogs of uh, the Democrat Party. One of them, MSNBC host Nicole Wallace. She's out in front of everything that could potentially make a Democrat look bad. Yesterday, she claimed that House Republicans are pushing outright fabrications about the Biden family. As you know, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, he announced an impeachment inquiry that it would move forward with Republican representatives James Comer of Kentucky, Jim Jordan of Ohio, and Jason Smith of Missouri leading the probe into the business dealings by the president that involve Hunter Biden, and allegedly there are such things. Investigations are supposed to be ways to investigate and find out if there's some there there. Of course, Democrats don't like that because it's Democrats that are being investigated this time. The House Oversight Committee, by the way, found roughly $20 million in payments, direct payments to members of the Biden family coming from governments and private persons and corporate businesses from Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Russia, China, and the list goes on and on and on. Well, there's no there. There, Dan, they just, these people just wanted to support the Biden family. (laughs) The Trump wing of the Republican Party. This is Nicole Wallace talking. The Trump wing of the party is dependent on lies. The grievances used to be rooted in a small kernel. That's like a kernel of corn. Something resembling the truth, and now they are outright fabrications about the Biden family, about the border, about the economy, the 2020 election. It's the right diagnosis, but not the most blunt description of it. I don't know where she came up with that. And honestly, I don't think she did. Some writer for her on that show, MSNBC, gave her that. And that's the narrative they're going to stick with. Republican Senator Charles Grassley. You remember way back when he released that FD, Form FD-1023, of the FBI that contained allegations that the Bidens got millions in bribes, obtained all this was, this FD-1023 form came from a whistleblower in July 20th. It seems like it's way back longer than that. The documents recounted what a confidential human source told the FBI in June of 2020. And it says that a top Burisma executive felt he was pushed to pay the Bidens five million bucks in one whack. 
The New York Post reported on the contents of Hunter's laptop that he left at a Delaware computer repair shop on October 14, 2020, that included emails related to business dealings, not by Hunter, but by the Biden family. The authenticity of that laptop, which was questioned for months and months and months, was finally confirmed by the Daily Caller News Foundation in October of 2020. What was happening back then? We had a midterm election. Remember that famous debate, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, when the laptop from hell came up? Biden just railed, just went on and on and on about everything. Oh, 51 former CIA and other intelligence officers, they debunked that laptop. It is Russian disinformation. And we find out later, Joe already knew that it was the real thing, as did each of those 51 supposed intelligence experts that lied about it. Now, what does that mean? It means they lied, period. That's what it means. Now, I'm sure you heard this morning, the UAW, they went ahead and they're on strike. Now, they didn't do it across the board. There are 150,000 UAW auto workers, 150,000. If they all walked off, you couldn't buy a car for I don't know how long. Car dealerships are just now getting inventory back after the pandemic. And if people aren't building cars, which by the way, some of these car lines are shut down today because a huge chunk of the UAW are picketing. So what is this all about? Do you have any idea what it's all about? Last night, this is before the UAW announced their strike. I heard this, and I thought you would want to understand what is going on and what it really means. Mark Morano is the Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well? Now. A big part of this strike is about the switch to electric vehicles and how to compensate the people building them. In your opinion, how is the switch, the forced switch to electric going? It's going disastrously. First of all, on this strike, pending strike, you have a million workers making non-electric cars. With these electric car mandates, you're talking about 40%, 400,000 workers being displaced. There's also about 7.5 million jobs related to the auto industry that are going to be impacted. Joe Biden's EV mandates are a controlled demolition of the U.S. auto industry. There's no other way to put it because China is the main beneficiary and we're seeing a Chinese potential Chinese invasion of cars, uh, EV cars coming as they master it. The transition is going horribly, but I think that's not the actual purpose of this Biden plan. The plan is to create vehicle rationing to force less people to drive, force us into mass transit and restrict our freedom of movement. That's what's coming out of these climate plans. But Mark, that is politically out of the question. Any administration which imposes rationing on cars, limiting your ability to drive in these here United States, that's political suicide. It is, but that's why it's in 2035. That's why it's you know, a year, de- several years away. But here's the key. Has Congress voted on a car ban? 
No. Has even the California legislator voted? No. This is all being done bypassing democracy in many ways, the same way the COVID restrictions. We didn't vote for church closures, school closures. Well, we didn't vote now for uh, you know, food restrictions. We didn't vote for the gas-powered car ban. This is a corporate government collusion, mostly coming from ideology, coming from the United Nations World Economic Forum, and they are forcing this upon us. Now, it's not affecting us immediately, but it's down the road. And the question is, are we going to allow it? It looks like this whole EV mandate thing is going to collapse when people realize that it is going to create car rationing. I mean, this is similar to East Germany. They had one government uh, authorized car, the crappy East German Trabant. Fast forward, here in the United States, we're basically saying the government is saying you can only buy one car in the future, an EV, likely manufactured solely from China. This is our future if we allow it, Stuart, and it's going terrible. All right, Mark, I think we know where you're coming from. Mark Morano, <laughs> thank you very much for being here, Mark. Good stuff. Thank you. Stuart Varney of Fox News there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the electric vehicles other than to make it very clear to you. It takes 25% fewer workers to build electric vehicles than to build a similar combustion engine powered car. 25% fewer. Now, what does this mean? By the end of next year, we are told by the experts who don't have a dog in this hunt that electric vehicles are going to be in a position where they can really go after combustion engine-driven vehicles and that with the Biden administration and the EV mandates that we know are coming, by 2030 at the latest, we could be looking at Half of the employees building cars today will be unnecessary employees. And what does that mean? Where are these people going to go to work? Look what's happening at our southern border. A couple of million that we know of of illegals have already come in the United States across our southern border with a check mark from the White House. Come on in. I know we're violating federal immigration laws, but nobody's going to prosecute us. I'm Joe Biden. So we're going to get you here. We're going to give you a place to live at our expense. We're going to pay you food, clothing, health care, educate your kids, and we'll get you a job. Oh, you may not make what these people building these cars, you know, these evil Americans represented by these evil unions that cost so much more. You're going to get a great wage. You don't think that's part of the conversation that's going on? I don't see how anybody could disagree with that because it has to be happening. It's got to be. What else is happening? You you know the insanity of that uh, that Georgia case. That indictment that I forget how many is it, 18, 19 defendants filed at one fell swoop by Fannie Willis, that attorney general over there, district attorney in Atlanta, Georgia. And she actually went to the court and she wanted to try every one of those defendants at the same time. And she filed for an October 26 trial date. Now think about that. 
different people from different walks of life, different charges and allegations against them. Donald Trump was just the senior one. And all part of this, this is what most people don't understand. Anything to do with prosecuting Donald Trump in any court, it's going to require classified document handling licenses. And it's not really a license. It's just that anybody that's going to look at, handle any kind of classified, government classified documents has got to be approved by the federal government that they can do that. So what does that mean? What goes along with every trial? You've got to get evidence. Most of the evidence is documents. Who handles documents? You don't think a lawyer that is going to stand up before a jury is the person that gets these documents that they get in discovery, they ask for in discovery. They're the ones, the only ones that do that. On the sending end, there are people that have to be cleared to handle classified documents to send them for discovery motions. And then on the receiving end, the lawyers and the people that work in the law offices, the ones that handle putting all these case notes together, they've each got to be cleared. Now multiply that by 19. And you tell me we could have a trial in October. There will not be a trial on any of the Georgia stuff in 2024. At the earliest, it'll be sometime in 2025. If it goes the normal path. And I know they want to they want to speed it up because they do not want Donald Trump being on the ballot in any state to run for president in 2024. A judge shoots down Fannie Willis's bid for an October Trump trial yesterday. A judge in Georgia, by the way, shot down Fulton County DA Fannie Willis's hope to try Trump and all the co-defendants in her racketeering case, October 23rd, calling it an absolute necessity to sever these cases. Can't do it all at one time. Judge Scott McAfee ruled yesterday that separating the 17 defendants who did not demand speedy trials from the two who did, that would be Ken Cheesebro and Sidney Powell, it's a procedural and logistical inevitability. In other words, these other 17, they're going to want a trial of their own in most cases unless they cut a deal before then. McAfee stated that additional divisions may be required, a decision that would make once the many pre-trial motions have been resolved. So that's just step number one of about 20 steps before we could ever think about having a trial. The ability of the court to safeguard each defendant's due process rights and ensure adequate pre-trial preparation on the current accelerated track, it weighs heavily, if not decisively, in favor of of separating these out into individual trials. That came from that Georgia judge. McAfee talked about logistical concerns, including the trial's location and how long it's going to take, and the complicating factor of five defendants who are litigating to have their cases removed to federal court today. They're trying to get out of the Georgia state court system and be tried in federal court. That's not going to happen overnight. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals is scheduled to hear oral arguments later today for Mark Meadows' appeal to move his case after the district court shut down his effort 
how a grant of removal mid-trial would impact this case. Just think about it. These people make a motion to get moved to federal court. The local judge there gives Fannie Willis uh, an early court date. Let's just say March next year. For these people, they start the trial, and in the middle of the trial, the federal judge says, hey, we're going to approve moving that state trial into this federal court. And the trial's already been going on. Democrats did not know when they did all this, they were opening Pandora's box. And it's all for one reason, one purpose. Get the orange man. (laughs) Get the orange man and stop him from running for president again. Speaking of the orange man, Megyn Kelly had an exclusive interview with him night before last. I don't know if you saw it or if you saw any part of it. I watched just a little bit of it. I like Megyn Kelly, but I remember when she was at Fox News, she interviewed Donald Trump and they got into it. And I mean, she's a bulldog when she gets to going. So I wondered how it would go. I listened to this a little bit this morning, listening to her off of the meat of what happened, explaining how it was with Trump. Listen to Megyn Kelly. I will tell you, from my perspective, I thought it went very well. I thought he did very well, uh, and he withstood some tough questioning. I did not go easy on him. I didn't, like with DeSantis, the goal was not to emerge with Trump's jugular, as some would like to have seen. Um, I thought it was fair, right? There were like some questions for him, some questions for me, uh, and that's, I think, how it should go. There should be a good flow to any big interview Uh, like with a former president. And I give him a ton of credit. I mean, you tell me, could Joe Biden have done that? Could he have done five minutes of that? Just five minutes, Never mind an hour and 20 or however long Trump and I were together. It was almost an hour and 20. Uh, He couldn't and he wouldn't. And where is the mainstream journalist who will even ask him tough questions? Where are they? President Trump didn't expect me to go easy on him. He knows me. He knows, he knows we have a history as you heard. And yet he came, he gave me more time than he had originally agreed to. Originally, they were saying 45. He kept sitting. He didn't wrap it. He didn't say, get her out of here. Even though I was, you know, needling him pretty good on some of those subjects. So I just, like, this is the way it's supposed to work. This is the way it used to work. It used to work like this, where those running for the highest office in the land used to subject themselves to tough questions. And Trump, he could stay underground. He's not, he doesn't need to do those primary debates. He's not wrong about that, much as I'd love to see it, never mind moderate it. Um, He doesn't need to. So the fact that he gave the time, because he could, he could pull a Biden. He could go underground, he could be under a rock. But he puts himself out there. And I do think he deserves enormous credit for it. Uh, He's, you know, as I say, didn't have to. I thought it was interesting, Trump is still, he's still focused on the debate question from August of 2015. And he I don't know why, you know, is he still mad about it or does he just want to talk about how well he did in answering it? Because he did do well. He did do well. That that answer he gave about Rosie O'Donnell got huge applause and his poll numbers went way up after that debate. So I think he's still a little ticked off that I asked it. And I know a lot of people didn't like it. As you heard in the exchange, I loved it. But onward, as I said to him, onward. Um, One bit of color for you behind the scenes. So- here in the studio, I, yesterday I'm sleeveless, but it doesn't matter what I, I could be in a turtleneck and I basically keep it around 76 degrees inside, right? Abby? 78. 78, she says, 78. 
you know, I don't sweat. I don't, it's a medical condition. I have no idea, but it's very hard for me to like sweat and feel uncomfortable in the heat. I'm always cold. Hemmer and I used to war because he'd be in those heavy wool suits when we co- when we co-hosted America's Newsroom. And I'd be in some fox polyester dress with no sleeves and I'd be freezing my ass off. Anyway, so now it's my studio. I can do what I want. It's wonderful. Pretty much everybody around me sweats though. <laughs> so if I have a guest coming in, I, I turn it down to like 70. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you this is Trump is way more in the Hemmer camp. You know, he's a man, he's wearing a wool suit um, and he likes it cold and he's the star, not me in the interview. So he's doing this. He doesn't have to say yes to this interview. So, and it's his place. So he gets to choose the temperature. I mean, I turned blue almost as soon as I showed up. Does anybody know what Raynaud's is? I have Raynaud's where like you lose the circulation in your fingers, your fingertips. They were white. They were like white as snow. I had no circulation in my fingertips. And it was to the point where I, my, my, one of my tech guys, Jake, gave me hand warmers, except my dress was kind of small and there was no place to put them. <laughs> like, like, and you're not supposed to put them right on your bare skin. So like, I, you know, one day I don't have a pair of Spanx on. So I'm like, I think I might like burn my bottom. I might have hot cross buns if I just stick them under there. So I, so I was just holding them waiting for him to get there. We waited for like, whatever, 15, 20 minutes. And then he came in. Was, my teeth were chattering. And all I could think was, I'm going to look like I am shaking like a leaf in this interview. People are going to think I'm nervous, but I'm really just freezing. I'm freezing to death. It felt like astronaut training where they start taking away your your core body heat and other essential elements of living to see if you can continue to perform. <laughs> anyway, Trump was very gracious when he saw that I was cold. He asked if I wanted more heat. And I said, no, no, it's all about you. I made it. I made it. Uh, But it was just just a bit of color of the behind the scenes things that go on. Uh, All the lighting looked good. And Trump, he's still a TV man. He knows exactly how he wants the shot. He knows how he likes the lighting. It's quite helpful, frankly. Like he was like, get rid of that Diet Coke bottle. He didn't want things in the background of the shot. You know, he wanted it to look good and he wants it to rate well uh, and be received well. And I hope that's how you experienced it. I thought you'd like that uh, inside scoop. Most people today, I don't care what political party affiliation you have, you get a little curious about all things Donald Trump. Megyn Kelly, I knew they had a past, and it wasn't a really good one in that previous debate she mentioned right there, but I thought it went pretty well, at least the part of it I saw. Well, we've had a busy morning so far. We're about to enter into... Hour number two, and as I told you, Steve Smotherman is going to be with us. You don't want to miss this. If you've got diversions going on at your office or wherever you are right now, he's going to be with us in the next three or four minutes. We're going to take this break, and on the other side, everybody stand at attention for our guest coming up. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Soprensky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well-suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Soprensky? Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? 
Get the heck out of there. With Southwest Airlines, fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the, the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both, and now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a Pilgrim, please make a decision. Here we are. It is Friday, and this Friday is going to be a very special Friday for all of us. Joining us now, first time ever on this show, Pastor Steve Smotherman from New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've told him a little bit about you, Pastor, and that we're friends, and I told him some of the stuff that I know that you have been involved in. Specifically, I talked about Christian's and an obligation we all have, even though we're Christians, we got to get involved in making sure those who are accountable to us, like our elected people, uh, are accountable to us. And I want you to talk about that this morning. But first of all, I want—I just want to say hello and thank you for joining us. And tell us a little bit about Legacy Church. Well, Dan, it's an honor to be on your program. And, and um, uh, yeah, you're a good man for what you do. Um, you know, we, we have a great church in Albuquerque. God has blessed us. People say, how'd you do it? I said, I think I got lucky. Um, and we, we reach our community. We're very involved in our community. Um, and we, we do take righteous stands in our community. And that's, that's where the rub comes in because, you know, in New Mexico, it's so liberal. And people don't realize this. We probably are the most liberal state in America. Um, we have no real representation anywhere that's that's conservative or that would be, you know, Christian or like-minded with us. Um, I mean, we have it, but they don't have any power. They don't have any authority. So we have a rogue governor that um, has been, you know, brutalizing our state since COVID. And um, and so, you know, we just take stands. We've taken stands in this, in this state for years, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, fighting for, uh, you know, our rights, our freedoms, but also for our Christian values, you know. And uh, so we just, we've just been doing that for a long time. I want to tell you something that I've not told you before. I was part of that debacle, your governor. If you remember, the day that COVID broke was the first day or supposed to be the first day of the Men of Iron Conference. And Denny Duran and I, flew into New Mexico to be part of that Men of Iron conference. And your governor, when we got there and actually checked into the hotel, she shut it down. That was the first day that she initiated the lockdowns for COVID 
for the whole state of New Mexico. And it took us a day and a half to get out of New Mexico to get back to Louisiana. I didn't know it took you that long, but now, now that you said, I remember you guys came. Yeah. When she uh, canceled it or tried to, and it, it was just crazy. It was all crazy. One more thing about that. And people on this show hear me use a phrase often that particular night we went back to um, David Swan's church and had men of iron. It was the whole conference that was carried out. It's a great conference for any of you men. Men of Iron is the name of it, and it's an annual thing. It's been going on for 25 or 30 years. Check it out online. But you spoke that night, and it was most of the inspir- one of the most inspirational sermons I've ever heard. But you said something that I say all the time on this show. You may not remember it. You made this statement, and you were talking about people wanting changes. And you said, you want change? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And I thought about that. It rocked me to my shoes. And I have written stories about it since, and people on this show hear it often. When they call in and want to talk about, I've got this stuff going on, I don't know what to do. Well, how did you get there? Well, I made some mistakes. Well, nothing changes if nothing changes. So I want to thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. You know, who knows where I got it. (laughs) (laughs) There's very little that's original today. (laughs) I know. Everybody kind of makes things like it's so original. I'm like, yeah, I think I heard that a few years back. (laughs) It's original for this moment. Tell us exactly what craziness this government got you governor got you into not you but the people of new mexico which by the way is always even though it's it's a very liberal state carrying guns and hunting has always been a very important part of new mexico life and i think it was last week or the week before i believe it was last week she decided because there was too much gun violence in her opinion to just stop everybody from carrying guns then, of course, she got in trouble for doing it. But has she acted out stuff like that previously? Well, I mean, yes. Well, she does what she wants. I mean, you saw it through COVID. At one time, I think it was the New York Times or Washington Post, one of them, dubbed us the most locked-down state in all of America. Um, we had bread lines out. And, you know, so she has done it. She's taken her authority to another level. Um, instead of being a representative for us, she thinks that, um, she's the boss of all of us or the queen or the tyrant or the dictator. And, uh, so this is, I mean, when through COVID, it was just, it was, it was just as bad. I mean, she just thought she could tell us what to do. And I personally told her, you're not telling me what to do. So we fought back the whole time. I never listened to her, but that's just the way she doesn't believe in our constitution. I say all the time, I call her the wicked witch of the North, um, cause she's North <laughs> of us. And, 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 and then people made bumper stickers in this last campaign said ditch the witch. So it's resonated <laughs> some. And I tell people she's, she's, you know, we have, and Dan, I don't know if you know this, we have the first satanic abortion clinic in New Mexico. Oh my gosh. And, and you, you know, you go get whatever they give you to, to abort the baby, but you have to go through a satanic ritual and she's partnered with them. Oh my goodness. You know, Albuquerque is the abortion, partial birth abortion capital of the United States of America. I had no idea. And, uh, <clears throat> and then, you know, there's billboards when you come in from Texas, coming from Arizona, she put up big billboards and they, I, I don't know the exact wording, but it's something like 
we welcome abortions here. So she calls it abortion tourism. She's trying to make New Mexico the abortion capital of the United States. That all these other states that are getting rid of it or, or you know, curtailing it, then they can come here. And um, that's how demonic she is. And so I tell people all the time, you think I'm kidding when I say she's evil, she's demonic, she's a Satanist, she's a narcissist, she's a communist. Well, we saw it with this gun stuff because she came out and said, you know, 11-year-old kid, you know, road rage, gun violence. Um, you know, New Mexico has been that. In fact, it's nothing new. Um, when Donald Trump was president, if you remember, he got up on a, on a um, televised newscast and said, um, I'm sending federal agents to three cities, Chicago, I think it was Seattle, and it was Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, because that's how violent we've been for a lot of years. Wow. So this, this governor gets up and says, I'm going to do a 30-day ban on anybody that can still carry or open carry. Well, that violates the Constitution of Mexico, and it violates the Second Amendment in the Constitution. And here's what she said that was alarming. She said, your rights are not absolute under the Constitution of the United States. That's, and um, that's, that's when, exactly that's, what they are. <laughs> I know. But, she, but, but in her mind, um, they're not. And I have to take bold action when she said, no, it's, it's stupid action. And, and it wasn't just the Republicans that came against her. Her sure. own attorney general... <clears throat> who is a progressive, progressive, progressive liberal, came out and said, if you get sued, I will not defend you because it's unconstitutional. The sheriff of Bernalillo County, who's a liberal, liberal guy, he got up and said, I'm not going to enforce it. It's unconstitutional. The Albuquerque Police Department said it. And then instead of her listening to these people who know, she says, I don't care what you say. You guys need to do your job. And it's like, well, we are doing our job upholding the Constitution, but she doesn't believe our rights are absolute under the Constitution. And well, she I, said so. I know besides from the pulpit teaching her people, um, you do and you are very involved in matters like that. You've taken her on, and I did not hear it. I heard about it one particular morning. I don't even remember what the topic was. But you went on the air with the morning show team. I believe it was an Albuquerque morning show team that uh, they regularly like to get you on because you're somewhat controversial on political matters, certain political matters and others about the different things and how it applies to doing the right stuff, which we Christians and especially our pastors are into to teach us how to live. You've been on with those guys how many times? I don't know, a bunch. You know, they, <laughs> tell us, the media tell comes us about me one. Tell us about one. Well, I mean, you know, when when the you know the marriage, homosexual marriage, was happening in New Mexico, we our church took it on personally. We went and fought it in Santa Fe. We were told we we're going to lose because it's a you know the Democrats have owned the state for almost a hundred years. Um, you know, the the legislature they they've been ruling this state for a hundred years. That's why it's so bad. Um, and, and then I have this statement that I say to people all the time, the oppressed always vote in their oppressors. You know, they, they yeah. vote in the people that oppress them the most because they're so oppressed. They think, you know, I want safety and they're going to give me money, which, which they end up oppressing you more because now they, they own you. And so, uh, you know, I just, we just got up and fought. We just said, this is wrong. Marriage between a man and a woman. Um, it's not between two men or two women. They can't produce anything. So they recruit. And that's what you're seeing. In our world today, this big recruiting from the alphabet mafia, um, it's a recruiting tool to recruit people uh, because they can't reproduce anything. 
And so we went up there and fought it in Santa Fe. We even closed down some senators' phones and offices because <clears throat> we called and went. And, and they get up there and say, mega church pastor Steve Smotherman fighting against this. And they call me a bigot and a hater and, you know, everything else, a homophobe. And so I, I, I coined a new term. I said, well, if, if they're calling me a homophobe, they're a normophobe. They're afraid of normality, what it is to be normal. And we all know when absolute truth is removed, absurdity uh, reigns the day, takes the day over. And um, and so we fought that and fought that, and they wrote articles and came against me and whatever, and, and, and we won. And, and we won twice um, until the you know the, it became federal. And in our state, when we were told we were going to lose, because we got enough Democrats to vote against it because we went after their, um, we went after their uh, areas, their districts, and we started uh, inundating them with information of how your senator votes or representative votes. And so they came alongside. So we were, we were very engaged in all that. So Governor Lawan Grisham, she's the quote-unquote witch uh, of New Mexico. How long, <laughs> I said that, you didn't. <laughs> so how long has she been governor? Well, this is her second term. So she was so bad the first term that they decided to vote her back in. And, uh, <clears throat> and people in New Mexico just don't understand. They just, they just, they, the oppressed vote in their oppressors. And so this is her second term, and she's almost, what does she have, two and a half years to go. Wow. Will she term limit out? Yes, she will. Thank God. Okay. Unless well, they you're... go after her, because they're calling to impeach her now. They wanted, you know, there's a big call to impeach her because she violated their constitutional rights. Yeah, so. she did. You, are you in, are you involved in any litigation right now with her or about her? We are. Kelly Shackelford's group, um, First Liberty, um, they uh, took our case. Um, we should be filing in court um, at probably the first and middle of this next week. Um, and, and what we're filing is, is that she put the church in jeopardy and she said, you can't have concealed carry anywhere unless you have, unless they're police officers or high level security people. Well, you know, there's a shortage of police officers in New Mexico. Sure. Um, I know an, I know an Albuquerque police department. The last time I talked to a Lieutenant, they said they were over 300 officers down. Wow. And, um, and, and so she, um, um, she, 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 so what we're suing for is because you put the church in jeopardy. Now we can't protect ourselves. Right. And you can, you can, and so apparently they just won a case like this in New York where this very similar thing happened and they won. And so now we're going to go after to ensure that she can never mess with the church again. We already know um, in the Supreme court and all the rulings that she can't ever mess with the church. And they do a COVID thing again. Um, and now we're going to say, you can't tell us how to, how, to, how to manage the church, and you can't leave us in jeopardy. So they took our case. They're one of the big organizations that fight in the Supreme Court all the time. So they took our case, and so we should be filing against her um, this next week. I'm going to follow that, and at some point in the middle of it or after it's all over, I want you to come back and tell us about it. Pastor, tell, okay. us, tell us about Legacy Church. A legacy church, I call it the healing place. It's where, you know, we reach we reach um, the down and outers and the up and outers, and we we believe that um, uh, in 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 the God of another chance, and um, you know, we all have some brokenness in us, and it's a place where you can come and heal and 
and get better and stronger and more mature in your faith. And, um, and I, I really do enjoy the people that I serve with. I serve with some incredible people. Our church is probably 65% Hispanic, 35% all the rest of us. Um, it looks like our city and our state. And, um, and, and it's just a wonderful place to be a part of. Uh, my wife and I have been here almost 22 years as the pastors of the church, and God has really, really blessed it. Um, I've been fortunate to work with um, some good people. I've got some great staff members that are incredible, um, and God has just blessed it. And I, I think not because I'm the smartest or the most studious. I just believe it's because we only worship him and we and we fight. We're, we're salt and light into our community, and that's what people – um, it rubs against them. You know, salt um, is is um, impact and, and light is influence. And so we impact and influence our community by taking righteous stands and through all the persecution and the name calling and, you know, all those things. And so Legacy Church is, is there to be a beacon of light into, the, into a dark, dark place that I live in. I, um, I looked at your Legacy Church website. Let me just read a line or two explaining who Legacy Church is. We connect people with God, help them grow relationships, and live a life of generosity. And then kind of a a disclaimer, explanation, a couple of sentences says, attending services, serving, giving, and loving God is the standard we live by. Legacy Church is a place you can call home. We believe Jesus will take you as you are, and transform you through your faith and trust him. There's no dogma in that. It's about relationships. And I mean, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. My foster brother's Denny Duran, who's a good friend of yours, who, by the way, thinks you're an amazing individual. And he loves when he gets to come to Legacy Church. I haven't been to Legacy Church yet, but I'm, I'm going to come He next time he comes with you. But what you preach and what you teach, it sounds to me kind of like what Jesus did. Well, hopefully that's that, that's what we, we I mean, we, we try to do the Bible. And, 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 I put you on the you spot, know, so didn't I? <laughs> well, it's like, well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope we, you know, we, we're doing the best we can with what we know. But, um, but yeah, it's a place, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I say this about our church all the time. We reach the people nobody wants, and God ends up sending us the people everybody wants. And I got that from Tommy Barnett when he said it to me, I don't know, 20 years ago, and it just stuck. And I thought, well, that's who we are. We're, we're that yeah. place. And and so, you know, Dan, we just we just want to help people. And, and, you know, God does accept us like we are. The problem is today in our culture, people think they can stay the same and still have Jesus. And and, and the other issue is, and this is what I teach all the time, is I say, guys, people always talk about, I got saved, I got saved, I got saved. But you understand salvation is a byproduct of lordship. That the Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you, if you, you know, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus, then you'll be saved. And, and so we want salvation without lordship. We want, we want insurance from, you know, so we don't go to hell but we don't want a Lord. We don't want someone telling us how to live or how we should operate and how we should talk and how we should treat others. 
and 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 Jesus is came to be Lord, and if you accept Him as your Lord, then He'll save you from your sins. And that's why a lot of people say, "Well, I prayed that prayer twenty times." Yeah, because you've never been willing to make Him Lord of your life. You just wanted some kind of insurance so you won't go to hell. But He does; He's not an insurance salesman. Yeah. So that's kind of the the mentality. It's like, hey guys, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, and part of lordship is learning to repent. You know, and and let God know. I know I blew it. God forgive me, and He forgives you, and we you get to move on in life. And um, so that's kind of the the message that we kind of put out. It's pretty simple, and it's very biblical. Um, I looked at your website looking for your doctrinal statement. There isn't one there. I like that. What your people have put in your website resonates with a whole lot more people. And um, real quickly, tell us. How many people get together on Sundays at Legacy Church? Well, we probably run around 13,000 um, that way. And we have a membership that's, you know, a whole lot bigger. They, you know, they claim the average Christian comes to church every, you know, five to six weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, so we we have a huge membership. People that we purge our lists all the time. People who come and give throughout the year um, consistently. And then we have, you know, our attendance is probably around 13,000 or so. Well, I have the ability in this show because it's internet. I own the show. We don't answer to anybody. I keep a screen up on a computer during each broadcast and I can see the IP addresses for everybody that is listening live. And it doesn't tell who they are, but it gives their city and state. There's a bunch of New Mexico people that are listening to you right now. Do you have anything you want to address to them specifically about Legacy Church or what's going on? Well, I mean, if I could say anything, I, I believe we're the best. I do. I'm very partial. Um, I believe we, we still believe in the, the Word of God, that it's God's Word. We are not woke. We, we don't, we're not politically correct. Um, we, we preach the gospel, and we, we, we deal with the cultural aspects of of and how to apply the gospel in these days. You know, we we don't back down from, um, you know, what I call the alphabet mafia, the homosexual community. We don't back off of abortion. We don't back off of our constitutional rights. And it was God who gave me freedom. And that, like, Grisham wants to take away our, my freedoms. And you just don't get to do that arbitrarily. And so we, we will take stands. We will fight back. And, and you know, you, you if you come messing with us and the way we worship God, we're, we're going to, we're going to push back, and a lot of people in New Mexico can't handle that. Or they'll come up to me and say, hey, I don't go to your church, but I'm for you. And I said, well, what church do you go to? And they'll go to a church that took no stand. And and I'm like, well, well so you're not really for us. You're, you know, it's like we're going to go fight, but I'm going to I'm gonna be back there 200 yards. Oh, so you're not going to be – you're going to be cheerleading me, but you're not going to be with me. And, and, and so legacy, I believe, is called by God. Um, to fight and and to um, deal with righteousness and and say hey this is right and this is wrong and we're not going to buy into it you know you don't get pronouns that's delusional um, you don't get to go into our bathrooms and if you if you're born a, a man and think you're a woman you got to go in the man's bathroom I mean we just take those stands in a kind way this hey listen this is this is what the Bible says if you want help we'll help you. Um, you know, and so I, I deal with, I deal with biblical, uh, aspects of, and deal with our culture. 
And a lot of churches back off from that and say, well, we don't, we don't want to be disliked. And I'm not concerned about being liked or disliked. I just want to be respected. And, and the thing about Legacy Church, wherever we go and dealing with these liberal, liberal representatives, um, they, they do respect us when we walk in the room. They may hate my guts, but they'll respect me. And, um, and because we, we, do, we, we hold them accountable. And the church is the moral compass of, of our world. And, and we, at, at times the church doesn't want to be that moral compass. We just want to hide our heads in the sand and say, well, we're just not going to talk about that because it's political. Well, the world has made everything political. You know, abortion's political. No, it's not. It's a moral issue. Homosexuality is political. No, it's not. It's a moral issue. Um, you know, they're stealing our kids right from under our, our noses, and we, and, we, and we don't say anything. And so Legacy's the one church that will stand up and say, oh, no, we're not putting up with this, and we're not putting up with that, we don't agree with this. And, but from a biblical standpoint, in a kind, loving way, I, I tell people I'm not mean to anybody. But there is a there is a way, and it's God's way. It's not my way; it's His way, and we will believe that. And and you know, people have criticized me for the stands I've taken, but they've never criticized me for preaching the gospel. Wow! And I and I think we should be light and and into this dark world. And you can't be light by hiding it under a bushel and saying, "Well, we don't really want to be too bright." Um, you know, but we need to be as bright as we can and just give people hope. And I believe it's a beacon of hope. You know what? My life's a mess. I've listened to all this stuff. There's a church <laughs> over here that continues to stand. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm going to go there because that's where my hope comes from. Wow. Well, what we just heard from you says a lot about who you are and obviously a lot about Legacy Church in New Mexico. For those of you that just joined us or joined us late, Steve Smotherman senior pastor of Legacy Church in Albuquerque, who is a lightning rod about anything and everything to do with people in New Mexico, one of the largest churches in New Mexico. He's been there a good while, been in the ministry 20-plus years, so he knows what he's doing. And because people recognize you're not going to get put down when you go to Legacy Church, it's because of this man. They're going to walk with you through your shame. They're going to walk with you through your pain. And they're going to always be there for you. That's a big deal today, Pastor. And we don't get that just any place. Well, and, and, and what I say is we're all in the same boat. We're all broken. We all have issues. We all have stuff. And, and hiding the stuff just makes it fester and get worse. And we tell people there's no condemnation here. I have licensed clinical Christian licensed uh, clinical therapists on my staff and that we pay just to help people get down to, you know, the, the root of what's going on in their life. Um, so they can, you know, forgive and get for, receive forgiveness and, and move on in their life. And again, you're right, Dan, there's no condemnation. We, God doesn't condemn us and, and, and we're not going to condemn anybody. We, we, we take all that shame out and say, listen, we've all been, been somewhere. None of us are innocent. And God has blessed us and forgiven us and loved us to our own pain and our own hurt and our own disappointments and our own, uh, you know, uh, things we've had to deal with. And, and we get tons of people coming, even people, you know, and I preach against abortion. I'll always say, listen, but if you've had one, we're here to help you heal that hole that they didn't tell you you would have in your soul. And, and we, we know how to get that healed through the word of God. And so we just have great compassion with people because we live in a lost world. And you know what? Thank God I was lost, but I'm found. And, and, and I'm still learning and healing and growing. And, 
you know, we're still trying to get better. And that's what we want to help people do is that we're all on the journey. We're all in the boat together. And just let's, let's row with the same oars so we're rowing the same direction. Well, we're not in the same city, same state, but I will tell you this, Truth News Network, TNN Live especially, is here. And anytime you want to get a message out there, we have right now, well, our show goes to 190 different countries live. And then, of course, it goes up as podcast on all the podcast sites. But anytime you want to get something out, I'm looking now, we have people in Moldavia, and I have no idea where that country is. But people are looking for facts and truth today, and they're struggling to find it. And I know you. I know your reputation. I know your past. I know how you got started, UPS driver. Um, That means a lot to people. To know who they're talking to in a position of authority is really the real deal. And anytime you want to have a message that you need to put out there, you call me. I'll put you on this show anytime you want to do it because you're the real deal. We don't get a lot of that today. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. And you're the real deal. That's why I appreciate you and respect you. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, what we find, Dan, is there's very few people out there willing to take stands and fight. Yeah. Most people are wanting to acquiesce to the culture sure. because they're so concerned about being liked. And I'm like, God didn't call us to be liked. And that's why, you know, we were trampled underfoot. I think the church was as a whole over COVID because we weren't salty enough. We yeah. weren't impactful enough. And, and he says, you'll just be thrown on the ground and trampled underfoot. Well, we were. And what we found out through that whole thing, and this is where I come from, is that we got punched in the mouth and we, and we realized the church couldn't take a punch. We couldn't get back up. We laid down, listened to the government, listened to this, listened to that. Instead of listening to God and his mandate, God never said close down the church. He never said have a certain percentage. He never said um, we got to listen to the to the president or the governors or whatever. He told us to listen to him. And until he tells me to close the church, we're not closing the church. And over COVID, over 2,500 people, or maybe a lot more than that, maybe 4,000 people, gave their lives to the Lord that if we'd have been closed, they'd still be lost today. We have a mission in the church, and the church is to preach the gospel and not worry about it, not worry about if it offends anybody. See, that's the problem. Well, it's so offensive. Wait a minute. Jesus is the rock of offense. Yeah. And if I offend you, Dan, by um, you know preaching the gospel, then, then I, I won't apologize for that because it's not my gospel. Sure. It's God's sure. word. Yeah. And, if, and if my bathrooms are dirty in the church, uh, or, you know, we're rude to you that I'll apologize for that. Yeah. But too many preachers are out there apologizing for the word of God or watering it down. Well, people can't take that. Well, people need to hear the truth. And if they don't hear the truth, how are they going to make a decision uh, one way or the other what to do? And we kind of we kind of lull people in under deception like, well, you can come to Christ, stay like you are, don't change. It's not true. You know, God wants us to change, and we should. We may not change as drastically as others, but as long as we're moving towards Him and changing some, God's blessed with that. Um, but to do nothing is is not. And I think we've got to get over. You know, they say, well, you can't say that because that's not very loving. No, it's the most loving thing is to tell the truth in kindness and love, not mean spirited, not angry. Listen, homosexuality is wrong. It's sin, and those who applaud it are just as guilty as those who practice it. And those are what the Bible says, not Steve Smotherman, not Dan, not, not, not Dan, not, not, you know, Joe Smith. It's if it's the word of God, then we, we must take heed to it. 
the best way we can and continue to grow in it. Well, you've been a breath of fresh air for me today, and I know a lot of people listening in feel the same way. Thank you for sharing what you've shared. And I meant what I said. Anytime you have a message you want to get out there, you can call me on any day. I can interrupt any part of the show. We do it live two hours every Monday through Friday. You're welcome anytime. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Well, thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for having me. What a great show. And, and I know the people watching it and following you, they, they're they doing that because you're speaking truth. So it is you, you do what your name says you do. So I appreciate you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pastor Steve Smotherman, what a great, great man to talk to and listen and get all facts. Boy, that's something we don't get a lot of today, isn't it? <laughs> He pastors Legacy Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. If you're driving through on I-40 sometime, hey, go take a look. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Sorry, let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President. <laughs> so, uh... What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, it's a great Friday. Lots of reasons. Got a lot of high school football games around the state, around your state, around your city this weekend. Thank God we have college football and NFL football back. My goodness, I didn't think I'd miss football. Like I missed it this last off season. I mean, it just leaves a, a, a big hole in my heart. I've got a life that's had football in it since I was little. And when I go without it, it just doesn't feel right. Man, COVID was really tough on a lot of levels. But for entertainment that we used to get just, and we would take it for granted in many cases, we lost most of that. Oh, unless you live in California, well, Gavin Newsom, the governor out there, he shut California down. Well, he shut everything down. He shut churches down. Businesses, he shut them down. You know, one business sector he did not shut down? Strip clubs. <laughs> you can't catch or transmit COVID when you're at a strip club in California. None of that, none of it makes any sense. Don't try to ever figure it out. It's really wonderful to have people like Steve Smotherman from Albuquerque, New Mexico, that's out there telling the facts. And I think everybody listening knows our commitment here, my commitment here, is we're fact seekers. 
And when we find facts, sometimes it's not comfortable to talk about. But if it's factual, people need to know. And we all have a voice of some kind. You may not have this streaming radio show. You may not have a website to publish stories. You may not have a big microphone to speak on to reach a lot of people. But you interact with tens of thousands of people every week in your life. Now, wait a minute, I don't, I don't see that many people in a week. Well, here's how it works. It's like throwing that rock into a pond. You have one ripple, and then it turns into another ripple because that first ripple hit that second ripple and created it. It's a daisy chain of people that go outward from when you impact their lives. Just know that and make a commitment to make a difference. Man, the world doesn't need to be the same tomorrow as it is today. And if I can impact anything and anybody and make it just a little bit better, I'm being successful. And that's what people like Steve Smotherman are committing their lives to doing, thank goodness. Now, we talked a little bit before our interview. We talked about electric cars and what's going on with electric cars. 25% fewer people work on the construction, the manufacturing of electric vehicles than do on uh, combustion engine vehicles. And as time goes on and technology gets better, the number of people necessary to build EVs is going to be even less. Now that means a lot of people are going to be out of jobs. Where are those jobs going? Well, manufacturing means there has to be parts The parts themselves have to be created. All kinds of different parts come from different people from different places. They're all important if they're being put in a car, whether it's electric or gas. It really doesn't matter. Somebody's got to do it. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana. We have had, it's closed now, but we had a truck assembly line for General Motors here, very large, And it was very successful for a whole lot of years. And I talked about the assembly line at that that, uh, uh, manufacturing plant. And I talked about it in the context of how important all of us are for things in our lives that we don't even recognize. On that assembly line, S10 pickup trucks, you remember those? There were two guys that were down in kind of uh, a hole in the ground and the vehicles, the trucks were being manufactured on an assembly line would go across the top of these two guys. And they had one job. Well, actually, they had one job with two parts of it. One was to bolt on a bumper, a rear bumper. And the other was to plug in the rear bumper, you know, the light that comes on that lights up a uh, license plate. They bolted two bolts on each side. Two guys down in the hole. One of them puts the two bolts in on one side. One of them puts the two bolts in on the other side. And each of them connect electric connectors that will light up the license plates. Now, that seems like an insignificant kind of thing. You know, that's simple. Well, that's just the example of one of the processes that go into creating manufacturing of vehicles. I don't think... We may, and I may be wrong, we may get there. I don't think we'll ever be able to do manufacturing, assembly, 
getting vehicles on the road, I don't think it'll ever be 100% automatic, but that is not the context of what we're talking about today. We're talking about the people that are losing jobs. That's what this UAW uh, strike is about right now. UAW represents 150,000 auto workers in the United States, and you lose 25% of those people, which if we go all electric cars, it takes 25% fewer in the manufacturing, actually building cars that are electric than those that are combustion engine. And I'm, I'm rolling in everything, not just the assembly line stuff, but creating, building, manufacturing all the parts, and you've got batteries. And of course, when I say what I said about losing this, some people hopped up and they said, oh, these batteries, we're, we're going to lose the whole thing. All the batteries and the material that go in the batteries, China controls all that. Well, guess what? You probably didn't know this, but a large lithium deposit has been discovered in an extinct volcanic crater on the border of Nevada and Oregon. Now, what's lithium? That's an element that is required to be used, and it's a principal part of batteries for electric vehicles. We didn't know until just the last few months that we actually have a treasure trove of lithium underground here in the United States. The lithium mine at Thacker Pass is a project of lithium Nevada LLC, a wholly owned subsidiary of Lithium Americas Corp., an American company, by the way, whose largest shell holder is the world's largest lithium mining company. Uh-oh, here we go. Chinese Gang Fing Lithium. That's the parent company. Although there has been significant exploration of Thacker Pass since 07, the new findings have revealed really high-grade lithium deposits. So what does all this mean? It means that we have got to stop selling all of our goods and services production to other countries. Manufacturing. we got to stop giving it all away. We have plenty of Americans that not only want jobs, they need jobs. And more of them need jobs than did a few months ago because of Bidenomics and the government processes that is destroying our capitalist system of supply and demand for everything, goods and services. We need to be the ones in the United States that are putting all these things together, creating, building, manufacturing, putting them together and selling them because people are the one item that's necessary to have that we have total control over, we being we the people, our government. And this administration is giving away all of our rights, all of our production expertise to countries in other places. Everybody thinks automatically China's getting all the work, getting all the money and all that. In large part, they're getting a bunch of it, but there is no law, there is no prevention other than us and our government that stops us from getting it all back. Manufacturing production, well, it costs so much less to build it over there. 
My own son owns his own company, and he creates, manufactures products that are made in large part from material that he finds manufactured somewhere here in the United States. But guess what? He quit buying it from the companies in the United States because he can get the same things quicker and for less money from China. Having it manufactured and shipped to the United States by sea, think about that time lag. It's not like putting them on an airplane and flying them over. We've got to change that whole mode of thinking if we want to make America better, if we want to be able to have gainful employ to offer all Americans the ones that want it, the ones that need it and are willing to work. And we need to stop all of this political pontificating about stuff that has nothing to do, really nothing to do with regular old day-to-day living the life of an American citizen. And if we, the people, don't stand up and demand it, it will never happen. It boils down to this. It's we, the people. Anything that happens here, it happens because of we, the people. We're the ones that pull the lever. We're the ones that choose who's going to represent us in the United States Congress, in the White House. Now, granted, we don't have the choice for all of the appointed people that these elected officials make, but hey, we have elections every two years. We can change that. If they don't agree to represent us, let's run them out. You heard Steve Smotherman talk about, now he's a pastor of a big church. I will tell you this. I asked him the number, and he said 13,000 at all of their locations rolled in on a weekend. It's over 20,000. Now, what does that mean? It means that the message that he shared with us that he is about, as is his church, it resonates with a whole bunch of people. People want to serve, but they don't want to serve 24-7. They want the people that we pay to serve us, to serve us, and represent us in all these matters that directly impact everything about you and I. Wow. These are simple bolts, nails, screws, things that just have to be brought together to make something work. It doesn't matter what it is. Your relationship with your spouse, with your fellow workers, with your boss, with your employees. Those things don't just happen. They have to be developed. And if they're created in a good way, on solid ground, they can be meaningful and very positively impactful, not just for the people that are doing it, the ones getting the paycheck, but for people that are directly impacted by what those relationships develop. And one thing that needs to be demanded by all and nothing less accepted is telling the truth about everything. You know all this stuff going on with the president. How many times did we hear him say nastily, vehemently, loud, demeaning 
I had no conversations with my son or my brother about their foreign overseas business operations. I didn't even talk to Hunter about it ever. We heard that over and over and over again. And then we heard there was no kind of stuff, shenanigans that went on about that money that came into the Biden family. The number that has been verified by those treasury uh, warnings that come when they get very large wire transfer from foreign sources. They have to report those to the Treasury Department. $20 million, a little more than $20 million. I have a source in D.C. that says the proven real number is over $50 million. There's no easy explanation. There's no good explanation to come up that explains that. When Biden grandkids are getting big overseas Wire transfers? And so it boils down to this. Mr. President, why don't you just be honest? If it's true, you didn't do anything wrong. There's no violation of any law or anything, and everything you've told us is the truth. Prove very simply. Give under classified, very restrictive eyeballs. Give a view of your accounts that shows very easily if it didn't happen, none of that money came to you. And you and I both know that's not going to happen because they were very, very clear about it. That Ukrainian oligarch that sent a bunch of money, he laughed about it and said, they'll never find the sources of this money. Ukraine is known Worldwide for being the best money laundering operation on the planet. They form these shell corporations. They move money to this shell corporation that moves it to another shell corporation that moves it to another country in a shell corporation. They said they'll never find the sources for the Biden money. And that may be true. But at least the American people will have the ability to believe that you're being honest if you'll do that, Mr. President. But then today we find out the Oversight Committee in Congress, they got an admission that Hunter's longtime business partner actually handled all of Joe Biden's finances throughout his vice presidency, eight years We didn't know about that. Eric Schwerwin is this guy. He handled President Biden's finances for the duration of his vice presidency. So one spokesperson for the Democrat minority of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability actually fessed up, told Fox News that Schwerin, the former president of Hunter's Rosemont Seneca Advisors, and who, by the way, was a frequent visitor to the Obama-Biden White House, served as then-Vice President Biden's bookkeeper, from 2009 to 2017. Why hadn't that ever been revealed? Notably, Mr. Schwerwin, who served as then-Vice President Biden's bookkeeper from 2009 to 17, explained he was not aware of any transactions into or out of the then-Vice President's bank account related to business conducted by any Biden family member. Now, that's a spokesperson in a statement. The statement came after Fox inquired about a section of the White House's lengthy memo to the media on Wednesday as it scrambles to respond to House Republicans' impeachment inquiry 
into the president. The White House issues, they issued a memo that urged news outlets to ramp up their scrutiny of the impeachment inquiry that was announced Tuesday by Speaker McCarthy, who said House Republicans have uncovered serious and credible allegations into President Biden's conduct. That memo from the White House included a 14-page fact check of Republicans' claims made throughout the Biden investigation with regard to the president's purported role in his son's foreign business dealings and whether the Biden family used the former VP's public office for personal profit. Republicans' own witnesses like Eric Schwerwin, a former business associate of Hunter Biden, said President Biden was not involved in their business dealings. The White House said on page 13 of the memo, that's not what was alleged. It's not, and they did not say, Schwerwin did not say, at least so far, he's not testified before Congress yet. But he did not say he knows factually that none of that money ever came to then-Vice President Joe Biden. Basically what he said, and he didn't say it out loud, but what he meant and how he covered his booty is he said, I oversaw President, then-Vice President Biden's checking account. And I'm unaware of any of that money coming into Biden's checking account. Now, who in the world thinks that Joe Biden only had one checking account <laughs> and that he would take a foreign wire transfer and let it waft through maybe one of Hunter Biden's accounts to his account? That would be too obvious. These people, honestly, at the White House, they think you and I are stupid and that we don't have the sense to actually get facts about things, alleged wrongdoing. I will never understand that. And it doesn't matter if I understand it or not. That's what they're doing. I want to tell you real quickly about something very eerie that came up over the last few days. A Philadelphia teacher's suspicious suicide crime scene turns out the crime scene was cleaned up before the police even arrived with a search warrant. Supposed to be a suicide. Listen to this. The lady's name, the teacher's name, was Ellen Greenberg. She was found dead. Suicide was the official cause of death. She had 20 stab wounds. Oh, by the way, of the 20, 10 of them were from behind. A deeply flawed investigation into the death of Philadelphia teacher Ellen Greenberg It included a crime scene cleanup that was undertaken the day before the cops arrived at her apartment with that search warrant. She was 27, was discovered with a knife in her chest in her apartment during a January blizzard, covered in stab wounds and bruises. In a ruling in court day before yesterday, an appellate panel ruled that Greenberg's parents lacked standing in a civil lawsuit but they excoriated the Philadelphia pathologist, Dr. Marlon Osborne, who ruled her death by 20 stab rooms, 10 of them from the back of the head and their neck, by the way. He termed it a suicide. 
Her parents had sued the city, its medical examiner's office, and Osborne personally, hoping to compel them to change the ruling to homicide, or if not homicide, just undetermined. But even as a majority of an, uh, this appellate panel ruled against the parents Wednesday, the judge tore into the city cops, the prosecutors, and the medical examiner's office behind the deeply flawed investigation in a 32-page decision. Now, why would you bring that up, Dan? I just want you to understand. Wrongdoing by many people, even people in our government from top to bottom, it's been going on as long as there's been a government. It will always go on. And it will ramp up if the people don't step in and take control and make sure all of the wrongdoers, in government, out of the government, doesn't matter. You break the law, you pay the price for whatever the broken law says that you're supposed to pay. And this administration is going away from that. They're running away from that. On and got him on his knees. They had a hearing in the Senate about the book banning and what, mostly about Florida, right? What Florida has done. I am so sorry. I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea what happened there. Please forgive me. You know, I'll make a mistake every once in a while. I know you have made a mistake or two every once in a while. We always we always do that. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this family. I love having you to turn to every day. And I don't want that to stop. And as far as I'm concerned, it's not going to stop unless somebody steps in and makes it stop. Who would that be? I don't know. You know, we're not a radio show. We don't, we don't have to deal with, um, you know, the um, FCC. But there's somebody out there that wants to stop all of us from telling the truth and giving people the facts. And that's what we do here. And we're not going to stop. Thank you for letting us. Thank you for being here with us today and sharing that conversation I had with Steve Smotherman. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Be with people you love. And don't forget we're here every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. at TNN Live. See you Monday. One of these days the sky's going to break and everything Escape, and I know one of these days the mountains are gonna fall into the sea, and they'll know. It's you and I were made for this. I was made to taste your kiss. We were made to never fall away Never 